This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Thursday, March 16th, 2023. I'm Caleb Brown. Fears of artificial intelligence have gotten a boost with the emergence of chat GPT, where you can, as far as you know, carry on a conversation with a pretty knowledgeable, coherent chatbot. Cato's Will Duffield evaluates the broad fears about what this might mean for, well, humanity in the near and longer term. My cousin, John, wonderful man, very nice man. Uh, former uh, tech CEO. Uh, he generated a fake Cato Daily podcast in which I am talking with Karl Marx. And the instructions were, hey, Karl Marx, uh, thanks for joining us. Let's talk about some of your ideas and how well they've hold up, held up. And uh, it was a very pleasant, it seemed to be a very pleasant chat. It's not a chat that I necessarily would have had, but it was nice to read a potential uh, interview that might have occurred in some parallel universe. Uh, and then he did one with uh, where I'm talking to the fellows from Chapo Trap, Chap, Chapo's, Chapo's Trap House. Uh, and that's uh, the one. that was a little more insulting both directions. Um, and that's fine. But I'm glad you and the boys had fun. We did. We did have fun. And so it it, it is a strange uh, development and for a lot of people, a very frightening development. And I can remember when these LLMs popped up that people were in, some people were immediately terrified. Some people were like, this is a great opportunity. I can use this. Uh, another friend of mine who does a lot of programming keeps a uh, chat AI window open to just drop in massive chunks of code and then ask, what does this do? And and, and so the opportunities there are are, are, are interesting. I think a lot of different potential purposes. And, and I think some of the fears may be justified. So how do you come at this in general? So I do first approach it as a new labor saving tool. That seems to be what we have in front of us. That's what's available now. We aren't interacting with the Terminator, but with new generative tools that take huge corpuses of image and text and hallucinate new content for us. And sometimes this content is useful, sometimes not so much. It still clearly requires a human in the loop, but it can save people tremendous amounts of time and effort. As someone who uses Photoshop, I'm very excited how the image generation tools can be used as part of that process, not replacing me or or my creativity, but augmenting. Now, um, I, I want people to understand a little better. When when you go to uh, one of these websites, or maybe you have a an instance on a server that you uh, possess. You can ask questions, and then with what appears to be not as much code as you might expect to create this output, uh, these LLMs or uh, art-generating tools, uh, graphical-generating tools, will then take your prompt and within a few seconds begin generating coherent paragraph length text 
to comply with either a question or request that you're making. Indeed. And they've been trained on existing images or text to understand or at least replicate the patterns that people have created in similar contexts. So if you're asking for a recipe for soup, it's thinking about what a recipe looks like, having parsed past recipes, what makes a recipe compelling, what do people include, in ingredients, temperatures, that sort of thing. Um, it doesn't necessarily know what you know, the, the end soup you're, you're looking for is, uh, but it can put all the components together in a way that would seem to make sense. Um, and, and that's, I think, both where a lot of the power and the uncertainty in this technology lies, because it can recombine things or, or come up with text information that we might not have thought to, to create um, or, or to organize that way. Um, but at the same time, we don't necessarily understand why it is picked uh, that set of symbolic associations over another. Um, and so it's very mysterious as to why this particular result, why this particular image uh, has, has been returned. Um, and in that uncertainty, people become worried um, uh, about, at, at this stage, um, misinformation, um, people believing false results coming from, from AI. Um, but more generally, um, or in the, the sort of bigger picture, there are concerns that this is a sort of alien intelligence and that as it develops, it might not have humanity's best interests in mind or may simply have very different priorities. So that's provoked a lot of concern about the speed of advancement in this space. So before we started recording, you and I ended up somehow on the subject of the moon as a harsh mistress. Uh, the Robert Heinlein book from the 60s, I guess. Um, and, uh, you know, there's a character there who is an AI. And his name is Mike. And he is friendly and he is helpful. And throughout the process of the book, he is learning uh, customs, human customs. and But at all times, he appears to be someone who is friendly and likable and pleasant. And he's trying to help the revolution. And when it comes to fears about it, there's a broader, maybe then justified assumption that AI is uh, malicious. AI has no regard for humanity. So when you evaluate these fears uh, as they are presented, which ones do you think are, well, there's some, there's something to this one. Uh, and these others, maybe uh, people are having fever dreams. I think Mike is a great example to bring up because he is properly aligned with the goals and interests of the protagonists of The Moon is a Harsh Mistress, the would-be moon rebels. Um, and he's, he's aligned in two senses. Um, in the kind of existential sense, he's concerned about humanity, the, the perpetuation of the human race. He doesn't see himself as kind of separate and, and superior to or 
humans as expendable tools. Um, he sees human life as having value. But secondly, he values the, the protagonist's goals. He wants to help the, the moon uprising. He's willing to throw his, his capacities towards that. And he's not just doing the bidding of the Earth government because they're the, the proper rulers of humanity or who he was coded to, to obey. And so I think he gets at two different sets of alignment problems, the big picture existential concerns about artificial intelligence as an alien mind uh, that might usurp or, or replace humanity, and the more perhaps prosaic alignment problems or, or questions of whose values AI should represent and replicate. Of the fears that have been expressed in terms of like scenarios, are there some that, that give you pause and make you think, oh, well, maybe we ought to be more careful with this uh, developing technology? I'm very skeptical of the existential risk fears at the current moment. I don't think we're dealing with a paperclip maximizer anytime soon. Uh, the artificial general intelligence that is set to make paperclips and with its power slowly turns the whole world into a, a mess of paper clips, just kind of following this prime directive um, into a nonsense place. Um, I, I do, however, think that these values alignment concerns um, risk becoming enduring political problems that we don't have a, a great way to solve or, or sort between um, differing values here. Um, I, I worry that we may end up replicating a lot of the fights we've had about content moderation over the past couple of years in, in the same way as we aren't sure whose content should be prioritized, whose speech and values should be algorithmically elevated to the fore uh, there won't be a good way of deciding whose values AI or these LLM tools should represent. And we've already seen a lot of tensions between ideas of democratizing access to AI and preventing really garden variety misuses, not existential threats, but individuals producing propaganda, deep faked disinformation that kind of thing. Um, but the, the danger here, I think more than those misuses, is restricting these tools to some select few, some elite, in order to prevent that misuse, prevent people from being empowered by it in the wrong ways. Um, I think potentially it's most dangerous as a teacher. Um, we have seen examples of Bing, um, or Bing chat, giving people wrong information, but I, I think more concerning is the idea that it might give the wrong people the right information in specialist fields, which, uh, they wouldn't have otherwise had access to that, that kind of expertise, um, AI teaching an anarchist how to operate a train derailer or 
um, some terrorist how to uh, create a virus. So I think those those risks um, are inherent to any any kind of learning tool or or source of information, but that those are sort of the most serious potential misuses as this develops. But again, the the generative AI tools we're looking at now that people are using now uh, don't have that kind of capability any more so than you know, Wikipedia or something. So humanity still humanity's biggest problem. Yes. And and I think it will remain so even with AI. The most concerning, you know, aspects of, of this or, or really any new technology is how people will misuse it, not its sort of um inherent tendency towards harm or or evil. So uh this will not stop Congress, of course. No, no. Uh, there of will be not. there will be em, there will be employment displaced as these technologies develop. There will be potentially uh, lots of angry uh, people who want their uh, turf protected. There will be uh, people who want to puff up the threat that uh, AI might pose down the road, and uh, members of Congress. God love them. They will do their best to try to navigate all of that. What are the principles that ought to undergird uh, any consideration of some sort of heavy-handed regulatory reaction to the development of AI? Well, I think most of all, AI should serve whoever is using it and that ultimately they should have control over their tools Um to set its its purposes and, and values. In practice, for most users, this will be more a process of picking than setting or training. But for Washington, they should encourage a thousand flowers to bloom. They aren't going to like the rules um, of any one generative AI tool any more than they'll like all the rules of any one social media platform. But just as you see OpenAI's Dolly, which won't produce pictures of politicians and satisfies some who are concerned about the, the production of misleading images. You also have Gab's-based AI, which attempts to avoid any kind of liberal bias in telling the unvarnished truth as Gab's creators see it. Um, so I, I think Washington should recognize that there there will be many different ways of doing this, many different values represented in different systems, and that rather than trying to set one standard or, or set of rules for everyone, they should allow experimentation and development in this space. You know, I don't think it should be hooked up to critical infrastructure anytime soon. Uh, we aren't, uh, or, or hooking chat GPT up to the air traffic control would be a, a bad idea, expecting it to run that. Um, but allowing people to book their vacations using Bing chat um, just has a, a pretty practically limited downside risk. Um, it might hallucinate a restaurant for you to go to that doesn't actually exist, but we aren't talking about systemic 
harms or or risks here, but instead um, consumers being disappointed by a product that doesn't live up to the hype. In general, I think that's the way to approach this and, and where we are now. Um, you know, I think we should be clear-eyed about that and not leap ahead to regulate what doesn't exist yet and and might not exist and end up foreclosing useful developments for, for humanity, new tools that will serve all of us out of fear because it's something we've done many times before. Will Duffield is a policy analyst at the Cato Institute. Subscribe to and rate the Cato Daily Podcast and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.